Hi friends, I'm Molly, your host for today, and thanks for listening to Relief from Darkness, where we're having conversations with people who've walked out of various mental health issues and into freedom. Today we'll be hearing from Kel and his experience with child sexual abuse. Kel is a full-time missionary staff at No Boundaries International, where he has faithfully served for the last several years. He helps lead various discipleship outreaches and has a huge heart for unreached people groups and marginalized populations. Hi friends, I'm Molly, and we're back today with our Relief from Darkness team, just really continuing our conversation where we're exploring how we can walk into freedom with Jesus from mental illnesses or various distorted thought processes. And we're talking about anything that can have any kind of impact on our lives and on our brain, anything ranging from anxiety to depression to pornography or eating disorders, and then everything in between. Because we know if we can get ahead of this and if we can change our brain, you can change your life. So today we have Kel with us, and he's going to be talking about his experience with some sexual abuse. And then we have our very own brain geek, Dr. Lori Basie. (laughs) She'll be here for our brain dump portion of the show. And then we have our good friend, Carly, who's here to help facilitate some questions. So Carly, Mm -hmm. can you go ahead and kick us off with the definition of sexual abuse and just kind of tell us what that is? Yes. Sexual abuse, I think... We most of us have a pretty good understanding, but yeah. it's any abuse with a sexual behavior by one person onto another. So, big picture, it's unwanted sexual activity from one person to another. Mm-hmm. So, most of the time, the perpetrator may use force, make threats, or take advantage of a victim who may or may not be able to give consent. Yeah. So, we wanted to include this in here because it's very important, but If you or someone you know needs help in this area, you can contact the National Sexual Assault Line 24-7, and it's totally free. Awesome. Yeah, so you can call 1-800-656-HOPE, or you can chat on their website, rain.org. That's rain.org. Yeah, so that's just our little blurb on sexual abuse, but with that, we want to get to the meat and potatoes and hear a part of Kel's story. So Kel, can you tell us about your experience with sexual abuse? You bet. Um, it happened when I was in grade school and um, I was fortunate from the aspect it was just a one-time event where, you know, many people were victims of, you know, habitual sexual abuse. But um, I was in grade school. I think I was in third grade, but I don't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. But when I look back through my grade school years, I have vivid memories from every grade but third grade, so mm. I think probably that was the grade that it happened. But my my stepfather was a motorcycle enthusiast, and he had a motocross track where people would race dirt bikes. And I had a, a friend that lived down the road who was much older than me. He was in high school. And so um, at this motocross track, we had this tire, this tower that was at the finish line, And so it was just kind of a building, and and we liked to play in it like it was a fort and things. So we were up in the fort, and um, you you mentioned about, you know, sometimes giving consent um, when, you know, you're not able to Mm -hmm. defend yourself. I gave consent from being naive because of my age. He asked me if I knew what sperm was, and I told him no. And so he said to lay down on my belly and pull my... Riches down and that he would show me. And mm-hmm. so I did that. 
And then he, uh, you know, laid on top of me and he molested mm-hmm. me. And so that was my experience um, with sexual mm-hmm. abuse. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And um, after after that, did you know that it had happened or was there contact with that man after? Or um, There was contact because I continued to live in, uh, I think, in seventh grade. We moved from that property. Uh-huh. So... Um, he had another brother that we played with, so I continually saw him. I remember going home. You know, there's certain things I can still remember, like it was cold. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the temperature. Um, it was a wooden floor. I remember my face pressed mm. into the floor of that building. And then I remember going home and just, you know, I was undressing and just, you know, trying to wrap my brain about what mm. had happened, but I really had no idea because of my age, what had happened. Mm. And so, but yeah, I continued to see him through years, but I think um, God protected me in that, you know, it was my innocence that allowed me to give consent, but it was also my innocence, I think, that protected me because I really didn't know Mm. what had happened to me till much later in life. Yeah. Do you know about how long it was from the time it happened to the time you had this realization that something was like off? Um, Again, I I estimate that I was in third grade at the time. And so I would guess um, when I was around 22. Okay. Because when I turned 18, um, I began to run from God. I kind of had a hot, cold relationship with God Mm -hmm. as I was growing up. But at 18, I began to run from the Lord. And somewhere in that time, that memory came back to me. Mm, Yeah. And so, um, and then I was angry. Yeah. You know, because I knew what had happened. And yeah. fortunately, during this time period, I didn't live in the same area mm-hmm. of the country where this happened. But, you know, I always held it in my mind that one day I would walk into a bar or walk into a convenience store and I would see him. And then I was going to, you know, just really beat him up pretty mm-hmm. bad was mm-hmm. my plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to pause you right there, Dr. Lori, do you have... um any brain dumps for us regarding sexual abuse or what Kel was experiencing during this time? Yes, absolutely. And and I think about the fallen world that we live in, and all of us have to have a posture of either because of sin, either forgiveness or repentance, that we're going to do things that we shouldn't do, and people are going to do things to us that shouldn't be done. And that's a posture that we're going to have to have. And Because our brain is wired to utilize the least amount of energy for simplicity, if something happens in our past that forms a message or forms a behavior pattern or is an assault to us, then we have to think about those things that happened. And because of that, then the behaviors that we have or the messages that we have towards ourselves, or the things that we incorporate for our self-protection that we really need to be healed through those things. And if we think about sexual abuse, just in the big, broad brushstrokes, it's happening, they say, at least uh, 50% of females and Mm -hmm. one one to three out of five of males. And so this thing is rampant. Mm -hmm. And I think the things that would happen in our world or what we would do is is the enemy would want us again in shame and isolation and secrecy. And so the message with sexual abuse is that we're not valued or that sex is a commodity or that we are being used and we're expendable just like a paper cup that we would drink 
our coffee from. And so I think it's going to be really, really important for Mm -hmm. us to understand that if something like this happens, that we're not the only one and that this absolutely impacts our brain and the neuropathways in our brain, because as a result of these incidences that we all go through an incident and whether it's one time or 10 times or a hundred times, it's, it's not in any harder for Jesus to heal. I love the saying Reinhard Bonnke, a famous evangelist who's gone before us, said that it doesn't matter how high the wall is if you have wings. Mm-hmm. And so for Jesus, what he needs to do is he needs to to meet us at the core in that trauma in Kel's third brain, third grade brain or about that time period. And the way that, that this starts to happen is I think about our CPR back to connection. We have to connect with others. And, and when we realize if we're running from God and we knew God, if we're not connected to God, if we're having a hard time relationally, if there's certain things that make us angry or the symptoms don't go away, we can't stuff or suppress or repress. We actually have to go through those symptoms. And a lot of times it takes us connecting with the Godhead or connecting with others or having behavior that's a little bit unusual or, or rebellious or a pushback. Again, the reason why the behavior it, if we knew why it won't typically make us angry, it'll break our heart. And so connection is going to be huge. And in the psychoeducation, it's interesting if you remember what Kel described and what he remembered, he's not sure exactly about timing, but he does know he doesn't remember a lot of incidences, but he does remember his face being pressed down Mm -hmm. on the floor. He does remember the temperature. And so that's a midbrain level. He's storing memories, not about details, but he's actually in fight, flight, or freeze that, that surreal experience that I can't believe this is happening. And in that case, we typically store the memories through senses and through our sensations and in the middle of that then certain things will trigger or we'll have kind of flashbacks because and and so with that case it wouldn't be unusual for if his head was down on the ground or if he experienced sort of sensations that kind of triggered that he may not be subconsciously thinking about those things but his amygdala or his amalama ding dong would fire <laughs> and i i love i want to actually read to you something that i read that i read about the amalama ding dong just recently it says the smallest exposure activates the amygdala in our brain and again that's that fight flight or freeze and so so in kel's case, he was in that state of something was happening. And now fast forward, if he doesn't work through this traumatic memory, then his amygdala can activate typically from sensations or things that remind him of it subconsciously. It's not like he's thinking about it. And then this, this flood of chemicals come into his body and his defense system comes up and then he armors up, he's on guard, and a lot of times he has no idea even why. And yeah. so the psychoeducation of this, it's really, really important for us to know that whether he he was naive, I hear people say, you know, I, I said no, or I fought back, or I didn't do anything, I just, I was just there, and or I went somewhere else in my brain. 
The beauty of it is that we make it through those situations, but then we have to process through from a psychoeducation standpoint. And then finally, we have to then get a narrative, which Kel has done and will get into a little bit more about and heal through that whole process so that when he tells the story, it's as if he's telling it about somebody else, that he's not flashing back. He's not going into that traumatic memory because we, we, we want to stay in the present, but when our past invades our present, that will destroy our future with behaviors that we do that, that we're still reacting as if we were in the past, then that's what causes destruction. And that's when our routine needs to be changed. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So thank you, Dr. Lori. Um, so Kel, with that, how did you frame that memory or how did Jesus meet you in the middle of this new memory that you had just found out, like, what was that like for you? Because there was a big gap, right? So yeah. you were 21 now, yeah. and these memories are coming back. I would love to just go there with you as a 21-year-old in that experience then of re-remembering. Yeah, um, I can't remember specifically Jesus meeting me in that moment, but mm-hmm. I found out years later when I came back, I saw how God was with me yeah. the whole time. That I was through that, you know, I was wrapped up in anger and I wanted to hurt that person. But, you know, you read so many victims of sexual abuse blame themselves. Yeah, I, I never experienced that. And mm-hmm. so I think that would be another way that Jesus met me that I didn't realize, you know, at the time mm-hmm. that I was protected from that. And so but years later, when I turned 28 and you read the story, of the prodigal son in the Bible, you know, how he came to his end. And that happened to me. Mm. And so I'd come back to the Lord. And and I'd been in church for several months, and I'd kind of made this deal with the Lord that I would go to church, but I would still live my life Mm -hmm. on the weekends, you know, but he had Sunday to to change me. And um, this one Sunday, I stayed out too late on Saturday. And so I overslept and I missed church. And so... (laughs) You know, it broke my heart that the one promise I made the Lord, I'd broken. And and so that, that next Sunday, I went back to church. And uh, before, I always hid with a pillar between me and the speaker because I'd received prophetic words, you know, when mm-hmm. I'd ran from the Lord, and it, it made me uncomfortable. So I would come in late and leave early, and I'd keep something between me and the speaker, so that I wouldn't get a word. And so that Sunday I sat on the the fourth row Mm. and I told the Lord that, you know, whatever you have to say to me, say, and, uh, the pastor who I didn't know at the time, he gave me a prophetic word Mm. that day. And it was really powerful. And, uh, that night, um, you know, I got invited to a care group, a home group that later that night. And then after that, I went home, I laid on my bed and God used the scriptures. He took me through Genesis, mm-hmm. uh, Romans and Hebrew, studying really the um, life of Abraham. And, and I saw how Abraham would move to all these different places, but God was with him. And, you know, one of the questions that our organization teaches people to ask when they go through trauma is where was Jesus? And he um, essentially replayed my life Mm. that night, like a movie. And I saw him every step of the way. Mm. So I didn't know to ask that question then, 
but he answered it for me. Mm. And so that would be the biggest way that um, I could show that really he was with me. He protected me when I was young from that memory. Mm. Yeah. And then he walked with me through that anger. And then, um, you know, he showed me where he was at. And so that gave me the healing that I need. And so, but something I battled right after that was that I would want to feel guilty or feel shame because so many people I knew would struggle with something like that. But I was free, but I'd want to not be free. Mm -hmm. And he would bring me back to um, that moment that he healed me. And um, it it worked out um, that I knew that not only was I free, but that I had forgiven the person that did this to me because I saw their obituary Mm -hmm. in the paper. This would probably be about 10 years now ago. And uh, there was... No hatred. Mm -hmm. You know, I actually, I prayed, you know, that, Lord, I hope that they were saved. You know, because I'd learned, and as we say here in organization, that hurt people hurt people. And so, um, but that was, you know, I would struggle with that. Am I really free from this? And God would remind me of that night when he healed me and he showed me how he walked with me. Mm-hmm. But when I read that obituary and I felt nothing but compassion mm-hmm. and empathy, then I knew I was truly healed and there was no unforgiveness. I I don't know that anyone could ever do that without no. the power of Jesus. No, that's, you know, there's many reasons that I see that I know he's real. Yeah. But, you know, that's a re- that's a, something I can never do mm. in my own. There's no group therapy yeah. that could walk me mm. through that. Yeah. Thank you, Kel. And what a beautiful, I think of the stories in the Bible about people setting up Ebenezer stones and, and that represented that God was faithful and they wanted to stack the, these stones in remembrance of God's faithfulness. And that was a stack in your life and yeah, absolutely. a very beautiful one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dr. Lori, when we think about Kel's he- healing, I mean, really, and you working with victims who have been traumatized or abused in a lot of different horrific ways, similar to Kel's and then in, in many different seasons of life or walks of life, regardless, trauma doesn't just stay. It, it grows and it, it continues to hurt people and it continues to, to drag people down. And, and Kel is a living testimony to, to that trauma, not dragging him down or not debilitating him or causing him to be in shame because of Jesus. And so could you just give us a little bit of brush strokes of of your experience and seeing that it really is only the power of Jesus? Well, and I think, Carly, you hit the nail on the head that forgiveness is really supernatural. And in order for us to truly heal, we need someone to bear witness to what we've done or what we've been through. And so as 
as we all work with not only victims, but victimizers, then we know that there's only one who did bear witness. And I haven't. And even as a, a trained therapist, I have no idea what that's like, but I know the one who does. And the yeah. one who does is Jesus. And so if we point people towards Jesus in the midst of the things that they've done or the things that have been done to them, again, I think it's just that sin. And so that constant posture of surrender or repentance and forgiveness that we have to forgive. I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture mm-hmm. of what has to happen. Mm-hmm. And then you're not just walking in that. You're not, Kel, you weren't stuck in this traumatic memory trying to just manage all of the symptoms of it. But God is really the only one who can fully break those chains and who can fully say, you are free and I've called you free And this doesn't have to be your life anymore. Because I know that, I mean, sometimes we have this misconception that once you're traumatized or once something's happened Mm -hmm. to you, Mm -hmm. that this is just kind of your life sentence of, well, this is just what you're always going to have to live with. Or this is how you're going to behave now because of this. And it's almost like even that society and culture would even say, Kel, that's appropriate for you. Like, here's even a justification because this has happened to you that you don't have to heal, you know? So this is just a really cool Mm -hmm. and beautiful testament to what our Jesus does Yeah, to the cross, to the power of the cross. I mean, I'm undone. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. So for all those who are listening – what would you tell them? What's one highlight or takeaway that you would speak to them? Can, Maybe. can I give you a few? Do we? Yeah. <laughs> because yes. if you're a I'm parent sure or, or a grandparent or a teacher, you know, um, kids are trusting. And uh, statistics are overwhelming of how many kids that it happens to. Don't, you know, you don't live in fear, but you can't trust anyone. And you, you shouldn't with your kids, you know, any kid that, you know, like I said, whether you're a parent, grandparent, a, a church staff member or a school teacher, any child you have stewardship over, you shouldn't trust with just anyone. Um, and then, you know, ask questions, your kids that are mm-hmm. older, because, yeah. again, the stats are alarming and the odds are that, you know, you may know someone that's happened to mm-hmm. and they can't just talk about it and they need an environment where they can. Mm-hmm. And the third thing I would say that if you're a victim, then you need to learn to forgive. Because mm. unforgiveness, I've heard, is like drinking a sip of poison each day, but waiting for that person to die. Mm. Wow. But you're the one drinking the poison. And then the fourth thing would say, if you're a victim and you successfully overcome, then you need to share mm. your yeah. story. Because people that don't have the courage, that helps them have the courage to walk through successfully what they've been through. Right. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. So, Dr. Lori, do you have any takeaway from today? Yes, yes. Molly, of course, there's (laughs) always takeaways. So I just want to encourage everybody, whether it's sexual abuse or whatever it is, we've all been through things. And they were never, ever caused by God. They were ever, never, ever given to us to teach us a lesson or to give us a ministry. 
They were never, ever his intention. He's a good God. But all of us, whether it's this or that, we really can't compare. It's how we process through and what we do with it. And so for our team and for the people that I'm in contact with, there's a few questions that we love to continuously ask. And we don't want to go visit and revisit the future or the past unless unless it's impacting our present that will destroy our future. And so as we do that, my favorite question is, is, is there anything that's hindering the fullness of his love in your life? And then is the door to unforgiveness open or closed in my life? Is the door to anger open or closed in my life? Is the door to fear open or closed in my life? And is the door to sin open or closed in my life? So these are really common questions that we're asking ourselves all of the time. And you can see the warning light and indicator in Kel that this stuff doesn't go away unless you go through it. You can't bury it. You can't step around it. You can't suppress it. You can't repress it. It will continuously come up so that Jesus is enabling us to dump this stuff from the past so that we can run into our present and into our future with the things that he wants to pour out on us, not for harm, but for good. And it's interesting that Kel's warning light and indicator was anger, which typically then stems from the root of fear and rejection. Mm -hmm. And so it's a beautiful story about, and how do you know if you're through it? If you can tell it as if you're telling it about someone else, that's post-traumatic growth, as opposed to the post-traumatic stress that this is what happened, but Jesus was greater. And the narrative is told without the sting because of the healing that's happened with Christ. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Lori. So for those listening, if you're, if you went through those questions and any of those um, pinged something in you or you answered yes to any of them, I would just really recommend finding safe people that you can talk, talk about it with, with this being the C and the CPR that we've done is to really find that community or someone safe that you can discuss these things with. And then Carly, can you go ahead and give us the hotline number again before we wrap up? Yeah, so if anyone that you know or if you need help, the National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-HOPE or their website is rain.org, R-A-I-N.org. All right, so thank you guys for listening and thank you, Kel, for being with us on this journey and so as we know if you change your brain you change your life so thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next time bye Bye. thank you guys so much for listening to our relief from darkness podcast if you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here please visit the no boundaries international website at www nbint.org where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration and be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.